Yo, listeners, welcome back to the third instalment of the podcast, Worth a Watch, with me, Adam Stocks. Now, this week, I'm not going to be alone. I have a special guest, someone that I've worked on multiple projects with in the past. And he's actually a good friend of mine. And he goes by many names. Is it Alex? Is it Alex Paul Sherman? Is it Alex Too many Sherman? Aliases. Is it DX? Is it double X? What are we calling you today? Um, today, you can call me what my weekend name is. No. Um, just just call me Alex. Um, yeah, all the other names from university, from work, from school, from life. I can barely keep track of all of the names. Um, gives me a huge identity crisis. But yeah, Alex today is, uh, uh, is good for me. Alex suits me fine. Nice and easy. Uh, Alex, could you tell us a bit of a background story? Just introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, I'm Alex. I'm 30 years old, um, based in Brighton, and uh, a filmmaker, have been for many years. Um, and obviously we met whilst I was at university through some mutual friends, and we had a great time um, just bouncing off each other um, when it comes to just films that we like. Um, and we had some really cool ideas that we were just knocking about, um, and we thought, let's just actually make a film. Instead of talking about films, let's actually make some films. And we built up some really cool, we built up a good friendship and a good, like, almost like a career together. Um, and we had a great laugh. We had some really good times. Um, we've had some times where we've butted heads around projects and ideas. We've, you know, we've had laughs. We've, you know, thought we were going to make it. And then, you know, we thought that we weren't going to make it. Um, and yeah, we've just stayed friends and we've worked together for so long. Um, I'm currently working on a few projects for myself, trying to get YouTube back up again. I've bought a drone, so therefore I've got to use and abuse that and, and make something out of that. Um, and um, as some people I work with back in Brighton who are making short films all of the time to get funding for so much stuff. So uh, I haven't really stopped in that regard. Um, yeah, so hopefully I need to get just that one project that kind of really lifts me up a bit more. Um, but that's where I'm at so far. So you just uh, said about droning, like um, what inspired you to get into that? I mean, drone videos and photos are just sick. They're just cool, you know, to have a perspective that you can only really get if you're in a helicopter or in a plane or high above a building. But with movement and other perspectives is just unprecedented. It's just so much fun. Yes, you're still on the ground. You're controlling the drone. But to shoot the drone up within legal limits is still fun. But depending on where you are and the license you have, you can kind of go further and you can just take some really cool photos and look at the world in another perspective. Um, and it's just another cool gadget. It's another cool toy to have, um, you know, to shoot 4K video in the sky without having to hire a helicopter and a crew is insane. It's all the fun. But yeah, when you think about it, there was a time before the drone sort of got into the industry, uh, you, you had these high sky mm. shots on a helicopter. It was just fucking all over the place. Um, it's like Wobble City, you know. <laughs> but don't get me wrong, there are films, older films that were, they had high high shots on like a mm. crane or whatever. They've done a, an amazing job with that. Um, but it's definitely changed. Like, tell us how the drones have changed cinema. I mean, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is budget. Like, think you got to have a man, insure him, pay him, protect him, get a helicopter out, um, you know, insure that, pay for that and feel that and make sure it's all safe and get permission and time. Time and money is probably the most thing that you were, that, that people would save in terms of companies. But also the flip side of that is you can be a one-man band with a drone and if you want to be in, do proper high-end stuff, you will need drones that cost thousands of pounds, tens of thousands of pounds. You know, drones can, you know, attach 
like mirrorless cameras on drones that can hold enough weight for you know red cinema cameras uh, and more. And if you can do that as, as a one-man band, then you can earn loads of money. So you, there's definitely a career in it. Um, it saves people so much money, but it just makes it more available to other people, independent filmmakers, um, as well as big Hollywood blockbusters or big feature films or TV series or whatever. I think there hasn't been a show on like Netflix or Prime or Apple TV Plus where there hasn't been a drone shot in at least... Mm. Like any of them, um, even like TV yeah. shows and stuff. So, um, it, it, so much behind it. If so, if 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 I rock up to somebody on a set, for example, and say, "Cool, we, let's film some stuff." Oh, I actually have a drone with me as well. People mm. go mad for it because people want something that's unique, something that's so different, something that is so cool. They capture, yeah, they, it's amazing. Some of the, 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 the you know the footage that they capture, you don't have that. Yeah, you know, it, it, you don't need a steady cam. What's what's been like your best scene of all time? Ooh. One of my okay, one of my favorite scenes is the opening scene um, to Bronson when Tom Hardy was in it. Um, yeah, okay. It's one of my favorite films, just because that first scene is quite a long scene, and you've got Tom Hardy playing Bronson with all this lighting coming down from the top, gives him like these shadows on his face and making him look really menacing, and he's a big guy, so he looks really mean. So shadows all over his body, he looks massive, and he's just staring right at the camera. So he's breaking the fourth wall already, but he's looking at you in the eyes um, yeah. to really, you know, to show you how scary you are. And he says nothing for so long. And sometimes silence is the, is the, the worst for people. And sometimes silence for people is very awkward. Um, and he's there just glaring at you with these big shadows under his eyes. And within that first minute of that um, opening scene um, of the movie, you just get a great underlying tone of what one the character is like and what the rest of the tone of the film is like. And it carries out very much uh, throughout the rest of it. There are some different kind of arcs around um, the sort of journey that you are, get, are taken on through the film, through like Bronson's perspective, but it's just it just fills you with so much uncomfortable feeling. Um, yeah, you kind of know what to expect, don't you, after, after yeah. that, that opening scene. Yeah, and he's nuts as well. Um, do you know what I I like I went, when you said that I I was trying to think like trying to remember because I I see it a long time ago and um but yeah like now you mention it I I do remember that and it mm. was um it's quite frightening to be fair but Bronson that's what Bronson was like yeah bit of a trivia for that my um my mother Maggie she for many many years worked in like um so many places for NHS for private healthcare she had the privilege of looking over tapes. Um, so audio tapes and video tapes of a lot of the um, records in Broadmoor where Bronson was. Uh, she didn't get to meet him, but she'd be looking at audio tapes and archive tapes and just listening to his voice and the things he would say when they try and speak to him or tapes around his sentences and stuff. Um, she would tell me that he was just the most disgusting and frightening man ever. Um, and this was pretty much soon after um, when the film came out. Um, I started talking about it to my mum, and she's like, "Oh yeah, like I, I've, I've heard some tapes of his recordings of you know of when he's in prison or when he was uh, or when he was in Broadmoor, and just the stuff that he would say and just do was just crazy. And that just made the film even scarier, knowing like how yeah. like how mad and crazy he he, well, he, he was. He he. He went to prison for committing such a petty crime, wasn't it? Yeah. But all these actions inside prison just kept him in. Mm. It was just like just like fighting people. Yeah. But like brutally fighting people, and then he just he just never come out. I think it was like a post office um, a robbery or something that he'd done. He got like fifteen quid or something like that. So yeah. He 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 went in for that, but he just just never wanted to come out. Imagine um, that. Crazy. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Madness. But again, going back to the film, that was um, I think that was probably one of Tom Hardy's 
that was one of Tom Hardy's earlier films. Mm. Um, it's probably what what made him like like Tom Hardy's great. I I think he's a brilliant actor. Um, he plays different characters. Um, he can play different characters, and uh, yeah. But that that film is an old film, and it's um, yeah. I think. It's, it tells the story of Bronson. I had no idea who Tom Hardy was until I saw that movie. And then mm-hmm. I think so when I saw the film, I was walking past the GQ Yorks picture house in Brighton, one of the oldest um, picture houses, I think, in the country or Europe, I, uh, I forget. A big poster outside. And the director, Nicholas Winfrey Reffin, and one of the other actors in the movie who's been on, like, Skins, um, I can't remember his name, they were doing, like, a big Q&A. And I just walked past and thought, oh, this looks, this, this looks quite cool. I was in college studying film, so I thought I should go and watch it. Um, and they were um, talking about it, um, and it was great. But since then, I, th- I, th- well, I think they were saying in the Q&A, um, Tom Hardy at the time was in negotiations, I think, with like Warner to like start like you know playing Bane or something like that. There were like negotiations, mm-hmm. or there was like auditions for it. So there are certain parts in the film where Tom Hardy himself is actually at the end of filming is actually um, a lot bigger. So he gets like physically yeah. bigger across like the movie, um, and you don't know you don't really notice that until you know that's what's happened. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously he's been on Batman. He was incredible in Legends. Um, you know, yeah. Taylor sort of Inception. Spy. That was a good film. He wasn't he wasn't lead in Inception, but he was in that. Yeah, it was great. Um, um, I do like Tom Hardy. Yeah. Okay, so th- this is another one. This is this one to get you thinking. What, what about a mistake? Have you ever seen a mistake in a film? They've kept it in the mistake, and it's just like. You know, because being being in the film, like we, you know, when we're watching things, like we we sort of analyze everything that's going on. Mm. Um, but yeah, there, you know, and I've, I've I've seen mistakes. You know, it, it does happen. You know, like um, the, the Game of Thrones last year, year before, or whatever it is, there with the with the Starbucks cup that they left in there. It's like how how could they do that? How could they leave that in there? Like surely, if it was an accident and they left it, um, on you know on set. Surely the, the the editors, you know, they're, they're, I think it's like 30 mil per episode. The editors would have been like, all right, well, we'll just erase that from, you know, in post. <laughs> yeah. But they, and, and, and they even left it in there. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, but, you know, has, has there been another, like, mistake that, that, that you remember? I mean, that is a classic one, the Game of Friends one. I think two things happened in that. Some of you got fired for leaving that out or promoted for leaving that out to then build up this big hype around Game of Friends. Like, mm. you know. Well, the, I, th- I think that's what it was because there was another one as well where, um, you've seen it, right? Game of Thrones? No, not seen no. an episode okay. of it, but I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there was another one, I think it was a couple of episodes after. It was the last season. It was just like, uh, the last season was just like, it was mm. just, there, there was, yeah, it was completely rushed. Um, there was, uh, I think there was a takeaway bag underneath one of the, yeah, underneath one of the chairs when they were having like this sort of meeting about who should be king. <laughs> it was just like, fuck, man. Like, you know. <laughs> Like you've just killed the theme because, like you, you know, we're in Westeros and they've got Starbucks and now they, now they've got Just Eat or whatever you know what I mean. But it just wasn't cool. It wasn't cool at all. But um, but yeah, gone. Carry on. Is 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 there? Has there been any other mistakes that you've seen? One of the mistakes that have always sat with me is one in Gladiator where um, when they're having the big old fight in the Colosseum and you have like the, uh, the chariots where they um fall over and. But obviously, it's hard to make that happen in real life. So you have to have some kind of hydraulics or some kind of pistons to push up the carts and actually fling up in the air. And you can mm-hmm. actually see, um, which I saw it and I didn't quite knew what I saw, what it was. 
forever until you see some things online or YouTube or the trivia. Oh, mistake seen in films when Gladiator, when um, the, the tray goes up, you actually see the piston or the mechanism underneath the chariots. When it flips over, it then faces to camera and you see these big old canisters or these big mechanisms inside. I just like, yeah. and then it, it, it just takes you out completely. Um, and there's like a few in there. Yeah, they leave a lot of stuff like even with like um like fight scenes. If there's like broken bones, and they have to put like a false leg and false arm, and you can most of the time you normally see the leg tucked away somewhere, or <laughs> you know the actual bulge underneath their t-shirt. Uh, yeah, it happens. This is it's just the way it is. All right, what else have I got? All right, this is a pretty cool one, Alex. This is a cool one. Um, right. I haven't thought about this myself, but what would be your ideal dream team? If you could have, you know, if you were making a film, we're not worried about the story in that, but what cast and crew would would, would you oh, want? Bloody hell. <laughs> the, first person, the first person that comes to mind who I absolutely adore is Andy Serkis. I, I think he's brilliant. He's, he's just so talented, yeah. He's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. Um, he, he Obviously, all the mocap stuff that he does, um, the range of all of the accents and characters that he's played uh, over time, and you know how he would just change his physique for like everything. Um, and he's the nicest man alive, um, from, from what I've heard. Um, so Andy Serkis, definitely. He has to either play one role or all of them. Um, yeah, well, because he can do. <laughs> yeah, because he can. Yeah, might as well be. Um, yeah, he's got to be the main lead. And um, if there's going to be any other protagonist or antagonist in that movie, I don't know. For some reason, I just want someone really outrageous like McGee to like direct it. He did like the face I know he did, did last was like Terminator Salvation and some like other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He's yeah, that'd be hilarious uh, for them two to work together because I think they're they're just so different. Um, and uh, who would shoot it? Well, it's, if Annie Serkis is in it, you've got to have, like, I don't know, Chris Van Hoytman, he, he's got to be in it because he's on IMAX. He's got to make that look incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And any other Lee roles uh, in it. Let's just chuck in Brie Larson because I watched um, Captain Marvel about two days ago. Marvel, so, yeah, she, yeah she's, she's on my mind right now. So, yeah, Annie Serkis, Brie Larson, directed by McGee, and Chris Van Hoytman's got to shoot it. That's it. That's my dream team. Okay, well, have you got an idea of the story? A, a quick a quick synopsis made up maybe or something so instead of planet of the apes it's planet of the andes and they're all andy circuses <laughs> and there's just, just all andy circuses yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just one monkey that just has to try and like figure out what's going on no. <laughs> yeah and then and then and brie what is she, is she captain marvel uh yeah she just comes out of nowhere just punches a bunch of yeah. andy circuses uh <laughs> depending which, which people you have um you know your film will be completely different you know quentin yeah. tarantino you got him or um you know, Martin Scorsese or whatever. It's just, you know, your, your film's going to be different. So mm. if you could redo a film, what would it be? There are some, recently there have been some cracking remakes um, that's been out. Um, like could, what? Um, well, I loved It. Like, um, yep. and, and It Chapter 2. They were really good. Um, I didn't finish the second one. Good, good watch. It, yeah. They're bloody incredible. And the Evil Dead remake, uh, that was pretty good. It started off as if it was some kind of really rubbish, like, teen stabber as in, slasher as in the one that come out a few years ago. Yeah. It's got to be close to, like, eight years. Yeah, do you know what? I watched that. It's pretty gruesome. Mm. You know, the original was gruesome. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that that was... It was pretty, it's pretty dark. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this is more of a dig than it is anything else. I would love to remake 
any one of Tarantino's movies just because oh, I'll have them sitting down having less conversations. <laughs> There's always a scene in Tarantino where, like, the, 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 I mean, it does set the scene and it does build up tension depending on, like, the motivation behind it. Um, but there's, like, I don't know. I think the one in Pulp Fiction when they just sat um, down and they're having like they're they're having their, their Sunday shake or whatever and they're talking throughout a lot of it. It doesn't really add to much of the plot. I would just take out so much sitting down dialogue scenes and just add something else, whether there's more action or whether there's some crazy plot devices or something. I guess but, it's easy. It's easy to write that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's ironic mm. though because a lot of those conversations, like you know, when um, in Pulp Fiction, we've got Samuel Jackson and you got um, the that they're just sat in the car talking about food. But you're watching it and you listen to it and the Huna Burger. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. but people can just recite that like, like no one's business. And I think to yourself, but it doesn't really lend to anything that I think to the I story. Know. So I don't know. I just have some whether I rewrite the conversation to something crazy and outrageous. But it wouldn't make it a Tarantino movie because those lines are so incredibly famous. And his writing is pretty good anyway. But yeah, I take out so many sitting down conversations out of most of his movies. Um, but not Kill Bill. Kill Bill was a masterpiece. I, I hear a lot um, that, they're, that they're in uh, production now. And um, yeah, and I think like, why, why would they even attempt that? Like Home Alone. Like Why would you attempt to remake that stuff? It's is that being like, remade? Home Alone, really? Uh, apparently so, yeah. Because <laughs> Disney now own Fox. Of course. So, um, so Disney are Disney and... They like to remake. They, I, I, I don't know if they had any um, involvement in Jumanji, but that was another one that it shouldn't have been remade. Oh, no. I mean, Jack Black, um, I'll watch him in anything, but they should not have remade I like Jack Jumanji. Black, but I don't like Dwayne Johnson at all. He, oh, wow. he, I don't like him at all. It's like Jason Statham. I I'll don't tell you like what, him. Though, just... I'll tell you what, though. Sorry, mate. Is, um, do you ever watch them, the, the horror movie uh, The Wrong Turn? They made about like eight of them. I have seen that, yeah. Yeah, they're remaking The Wrong Turn now. And I watched the trailer for it because I liked the original. I was young when I watched it. It was cool. Like, you know, stuff going down in the woods in the daytime. Oh, you know, very, very cool. But, like, they're mm. remaking The Wrong Turn. And I watched the trailer and it's just garbage. It's, it's, Is it bad? It looks, it looks awful. But they but they said they've, they've remade it. They've flipped the story around a little bit. But the premise is still the same. They're in the woods. They shouldn't be there. Turf wars mm. around people and... Whatever these awful deformed people are, and then lots of stuff yeah, and killing, and it's Hill, gruesome. Hills have eyes in the in the forest, isn't it? That's what it was that one. Yeah. Um, and it's like the 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 younger generation they grow up like with all these Disney films, like these live action that they're doing now, Lion King, Aladdin. Yeah. Um, you know, Mulan. Like I did watch that, and yeah, it wasn't for me. Mm. Um, same as all the other ones. Um, you know, like why 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 ruin our childhood by by bringing out something that, yes, you've got amazing CGI and stuff now, mm. but you're killing the story, man. Like, well, I watched just... the Lion King remake in the cinema um, when it came out. I saw it twice. One because I wanted to watch it, and two, our little girl wanted to watch it. So, yeah, cool, we'll go We'll go see it. And watching it the second time, I just it, it dawned upon me that they cut out a lot of the um, comedy stuff with like, Timon and Pumbaa, like... mm-hmm. all the really cool, funny stuff. And then tell me you watch the cartoon version of it originally and you compare it and you might go they've they cut out a whole bunch of like stuff yeah, yeah. um but a, a beautiful film like there, there are times i was second guessing myself if it was real or not what films have like been up there like films that you'd always have huge respects for oh, that's easy two films the first terminator and um the first alien movie oh alien Gavin yeah. alien yeah yeah number one yeah. You know, i wasn't a massive fan of them but that, it was one of them films that you don't... It's a monster in the house film, but you, 
you never see the monster. Yeah. You're just on the edge of your seat. You're like, shit, where is he? Yeah. Like, he's there, but he's not there. Where is he? Where is he? Come out, like, sort of thing. You get that throughout the whole film. And I think that's fucking brilliant. I love Absolutely that. Brilliant. I, um, I, I went to town on that film when... So I watched it when I was very young. So my parents were the sort of parents where they'll let you, like, you'll beg your parents to stay up to watch all these movies with them. And I'm like, no, 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 it's your bedtime. It's like nine o'clock. And that's like, oh, so late when you're a kid. And Aliens was obviously on, like, Channel 4 or Film 4, whatever it was. And I was begging my parents to watch it. Okay, cool, fine. You're going to watch it, but you're going to absolutely hate it. And I watched Alien, and I was absolutely... I must have been maybe (laughs) seven or eight years old. I I can never remember. So many, many many years ago. And I was absolutely... I was in fear but <laughs> captivated at the same time. As I got older and we watched it and we watched it and appreciated it more, when I was uh, in sixth form college and I had to write like a 3,000 word essay around genre and a particular film, and mum was around like, it was about hybrid genres, so it was like sci-fi and horror, um, and Alien was like a part of it, and I absolutely loved it. And that for me, I wrote around, to your point, you just can't see it, and you only see it. That's the fear of the unknown. Um, your imagination actually runs wild more mm-hmm. than what you mm-hmm. for what you see. And they were quite clever with their set design, which really freaks me out still. And you see it in 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 the other Alien films and the Alien game, which was also incredible, which is Alien Isolation, um, where the shape of the alien or the xenomorph's head, it looks it. <sighs> when it would like hide itself in the walls and you would then go past for like a tense scene and you think you see it in the corner of your eye or in the background of like the set but it, you think it's like its head but it's just other big pipes that look like it and it's almost yeah. camouflage in it but because you think you know what it looks like you have a rough idea of the of, of its head shape and its look and you think you see it in the pipes but and it's camouflage it's not it's just the set and you trick yourself and you disbelieve yourself what you actually are seeing and then later it then gets you in like a different way um, entirely um, um, like when um, your man is looking at the cat and he's like hovering around and you think it's just like water dripping from above him and it is and then it's like the sliver dripping from its mouth as he kind of comes it's in- incredible one of my favourite yeah, films yeah. and I-, I like the other ones too um, intense yeah it's intense. just yeah incredible incredible movie yeah talk to me about Terminator why, so- is, that, why is that up there so same again, you beg your parents to watch it. Um, for me, Terminator absolutely scared the life out of me as a child. Um, <laughs> wouldn't sleep without it's, the it's, lights. The, the genre's action, right? Because I'm yeah. sure that's a horror. It's got to be a horror film. Yeah. You know, the, the first one, that as, as they went on, they were more action. Mm. But the second one's, I, I think the second one's absolutely brilliant. The, yeah. the first one, um, again, it just terrified me. Yeah, I just kind of find that because it looked like a, when towards the end, when... He's all melted down after the big explosion. He's chasing through this big warehouse. And the way he moved, yes, it was almost like stop animation or frame for animation. How it, but it looked, it gave a very mm-hmm. agitated kind of look behind it. And that scared me. But also, it's a <laughs> skeleton, which are scary to kids. But it's metal and it's chasing after you. And it's and it's red eyes moving around. And yeah. it, it just it just captivated me so much. And as I got older, watched it again, watched it again, and just like appreciated it. And I appreciated how they made it and how they made the Terminator with like practical and um, special effects and how they blend the two together in, you know, a time where it was hard and, and, and took so long to do. And so I'd appreciate it as a budding filmmaker and, and how it looked and how, and how they worked. But to have all those practical sets, have half a Terminator crawling around and mm. to chop and change between a prosthetic, you know, built practical arm to then CGI 
not so much now compared to everything else that we watch, but back then it was just incredible. And I thought, they, you can make things like that. This is how you can make movies. And I was like, that's it. That's for me. That was the film that just said, right, you should be making things like that. You should understand how these things work. Um, yes, I won't make, oh, great to make another Terminator movie. But um, yeah, that for me just said, right, that's it. This is what filmmaking is. Um, I want to know more about that um, and beyond. So that was the film for me. Oh yeah, by far. It was, it's, it's a great film. I do prefer the second one, but it was one of the first films that I'd seen a monster in a house, like a, a robot chasing a protagonist, um, nonstop, like this, this, this beast cannot be killed sort of thing. And, um, you know, I think it was like two years before I was born that it was released. So I, I definitely watched it at a young age and it terrified me, but, um, but it's a classic film, definitely worth a watch. Like if you haven't seen it, like, Stick it on. It's it's bound to be on one of the streaming sites. But um, but yeah, that's it. We'll have to wrap up there, Alex. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming along, man. Well, mate, it's been incredible speaking to you, and thanks for having me on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun, and always got a good excuse to talk about movies, you know, and you know, throw some ideas and have a laugh and dive deep into some films and uh, have a good chat. So thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Stay safe and uh, see you again soon, dude. Cheers, pal. Take it easy. Who doesn't love talking about movies? Uh, that was Alex Sherman, everyone. You can probably find him on my Instagram. He's a great person to work with. Until next time, guys, this is worth a watch with me, Adam Stocks. Uh, peace out, stay safe, and keep listening. Laters. Laters.